Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 26, how God held up Abraham as an example to Isaac, and how everyone needs an example in life to follow, and how God wants us to become an example for others to follow too. Now, before we begin today's teaching with Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher on Friendship with God, we want to encourage you to visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. There you'll find all of Tom Cantor's teaching available for free download there at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also search for the Friendship with God podcast with all of Tom Cantor's messages on iTunes.com. Again, just search iTunes and Friendship with God. Now, we would like to encourage you to also visit our website, for our resources, many of them for free and others for purchase through our website. And Tom Cantor also has many other resources that are available on creation and teaching uh, through his Creation and Earth History Museum website that's also attached to his materials. So again, go to friendshipwithgod.org, click on Resources and Tom Cantor's materials. One of his most popular materials that we'll be offering today is Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People. But it's also a wonderful book that teaches solid doctrine to Gentiles with 34 of the top questions that Jewish people ask, but also Gentiles ask doctrinally as well, too. Now, here are just a few questions. Now, do the Hebrew Scriptures support the triunity of the Godhead? Is the Jewish Messiah God as a man in the Old Testament? Is the Lord Jesus Christ God? Is it possible for God to be seen as the Son of God? And do all men have a sinful nature? Is there a mediator between God and man? What is the difference between a Gentile and a Christian? What is a Jew? And what is the difference between Israel and the church? And many of these questions are answered for Jews and Gentiles in Tom Cantor's book, Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People. It's also questions that you want to know as well, too, if you're not Jewish. It's got over 54 pages of intense doctrinal study for you. You'll enjoy reading this book and studying it. It's available on our website friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Just click on resources. And you can also call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051 for Tom Cantor's Frequently Asked Questions book. 800-247-3051. Now here is Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis chapter 26, how God held up Abraham as an example to Isaac and how we need to be an example for others in our life to follow too. All right, let's look to God in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word, Lord. We come as you've asked us to, as uh, ready students, ready to learn from our God. And so, Lord, we look to you now as our great rabbi. Teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 26, starting verse 1. There was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went up to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land. I will be with thee and will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries. I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven and will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, She's my sister. For he feared to say, She's my wife, lest said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. It came to pass when he had been there a long time 
that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out at a window, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah's wife. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety she is thy wife. And how saidest thou, she is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, Lest I die for her. And Abimelech said, What is this that thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have lined with thy wife, and thou shouldst have brought guiltiness upon us. And Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He that touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Now, we've been studying in here of Isaac, and we've been looking at him as he steps out alone. We've seen that Isaac was, first of all, he wasn't a stepping out alone type person. This was far from Isaac. This was not easy for Isaac to set off on his own here without Abraham. But we see how God was with Isaac every step of the way and gave to Isaac instructions and promise. Instructions and promise. That was the pattern. We see this in verse 3. Instructions. Sojourn in this land, and I'll be with thee, and will bless thee. For unto thee and to thy seed I'll give all these countries. I'll perform the oath that I swear to Abraham thy father. So God gave to, to Isaac clear instruction for him to follow, which was Isaac live in the land and stay in that place. I know it's a place of lust. I know it's a place of murder. And it looks to you like it's a disaster. But God gave to Isaac this promise that makes any impossible situation possible. And that's exactly what he does for us. That's what God does for us. He calls us, he says to us, I want you to live a holy life. I want you to live a separated life, a life that pleases God. I know the society that you live in. I know it's becoming more and more accepting of what God rejects. But God calls us to this impossible life. And he says to us in 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 18, what agreement then have the temple of God with idols? For you're the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now, that sounds like an impossible instruction for us. To live in a world, be separate from the world, But that's just like God saying to Isaac in verse 3, sojourn in this land, stay here. And that command in 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 18 is also full of promises. Verse 16, I will dwell in them. Verse 16, I will walk in them. Verse 16, I will be their God. Verse 17, I will receive you. Verse 18, I will be a father unto you. See, and of those promises in 2 Corinthians 16, they're all summed up in what we're reading in verse 3 when God tells Isaac, I will be with thee and I will bless thee. See, then we saw how God promised to give to Isaac to his seed the land and all the countries of that land. And God told Isaac that he, he, would, he had sworn an oath to Abraham and he was going to make good on it. So it was because of God's faithfulness of the oath that he had sworn to his father to give him the land that's why it's going to happen so then we saw in verse 4 that God promised then to go on and he said I'm going to multiply your seed he said it's going to be like the stars of the heaven Moses told the people of Israel you were 70 souls Deuteronomy you were 70 souls when you came into Egypt and now look at you you're as many as the stars of heaven Moses said 
And then came this great gem of a promise. Then God told him at the end of verse 4 that from his seed would come the blesser of all the nations of the earth. And of course, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God explains to Isaac why he made all these promises and why he is going to faithfully perform the oath. And we see this explanation to the why of it all in verse 5. When he says, when you could start with verse 5, say, why? And so verse 5, because, as it says there in verse 5, because that Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. See, notice that God does not call Abraham, when he's speaking to Isaac, he does not call Abraham your father. I mean, after all, he was his father. He was Isaac's father, and it'd be natural for God, I mean, to speak to Isaac, you know, about Abraham and call him your father. I mean, sometimes at work, you know, David refers to me as my dad, you know, see what my dad says, you know, or sometimes he says, which is really funny, he says, see what Mr. Cantor says, <laughs> I wonder which one, or sometimes he says, see what Tom says, <laughs> he never called me Tom before, you know, I remember when Bennett McDonald was up here leading the singing, and then he introduced his father, and he says, now Jim McDonald's going to bring us the announcements, <laughs> but the point here is that God was speaking to Isaac here, and God didn't call Abraham your father. But God told Isaac, he says, I want to talk to you about Abraham. And that's important, because in this context, God wanted Isaac to not look at Abraham subjectively as his father. Well, my father, he does everything right, doesn't have anything right. No, he does I don't want you to see Abraham that way. God wanted Isaac to look at Abraham objectively, as a fellow believer, and not as his father. And it was conspicuous here, it's conspicuous in this verse on God's part to call Abraham, Abraham, to his son. And why did God do that? He was conspicuously holding up Abraham as an example to Isaac. Everyone needs an example to follow in life. God had in Abraham an example, and God pointed Isaac to Abraham. And God wants examples like Abraham that he can point us to, point others to, like we're seeing him do here in verse 5. He wants us to become examples for others to follow. I remember when my dear wife, when she died, when Cheryl died, and how Solomon Adams, my dear brother in the Lord, he wrote to me, he says, now brother Tom, he says, just remember people are watching you to learn how a Christian handles the death of a spouse. I thought that was interesting. (laughs) We're being watched. We are being watched by more eyes than we think. And God wants it that way. Because our lives are not private. Our lives are on display. And God was so happy that Abraham had this type of life that he could point Isaac to and say, look, Isaac, just have a good look at Abraham there. Look at certain aspects of Abraham. Don't look at Abraham when he goes and takes Hagar. Don't look at that part. But of all the people... Isaac was a person who needed an example to follow. Why? He was a follower. Isaac was a follower. So he needed an example. I mean, Isaac was naturally a drifter. He ran away from confrontations. You don't want to have these confrontations about the wells that were stolen. And he was just happy to just kind of like take a back seat in life. You know? But God knew that Isaac, like all of us, he's not going to drift his way into the place of blessing. And so Isaac needed an example to encourage him and to motivate him to follow, and that was Abraham. So God knows that you and I are not going to just drift into the place of blessing. 
So we also need examples in life to follow, like Abraham. And God knew about this, especially Isaac. So verse 5 is really the verse where God is saying, Isaac, follow Abraham. Isaac, follow Abraham. So first and foremost, so you say, okay, what am I supposed to follow about Abraham? First and foremost, God wants to see this phrase, how Abraham obeyed my voice. That's the first and foremost. He obeyed his voice. Notice that God did not just say that Abraham obeyed. He said he obeyed my voice. And that's got a little bit of a twist and a tone to it that's important for us to see when it says he obeyed my voice. This is what Abraham is famous for. Abraham is famous for obeying the voice of God. He's the first person in Scripture and the foremost person in Scripture to have it said about him, he obeyed the voice of God. And so when it says Abraham, he obeyed the voice of God, it means that Abraham didn't just see what God told him to do, like some kind of sterile commandments, I got to do this, I got to do that. But Abraham associated God's instructions with God's person. And so Abraham loved God. And so obeying God for Abraham was an opportunity for him to express his love for God. He didn't want to hurt the person that he loved. We'll return with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God in just one moment. Before we do that, we want to remind you of what we started at the top of our program about, which was Tom Cantor's book, Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People, how it's a great book, a doctrinal study for you or a Jewish person that you know. It's got top 34 questions that Jewish people ask, but also Gentiles ask as well, such as, is it possible for a person to be both Jewish and a Christian? Do the Hebrew Scriptures teach on heaven and hell? Uh, Is baptism a Jewish ritual? Is it worth it for a Jewish person to come to receive the Lord Jesus Christ? We could also say that as well for a Gentile. Do Jewish people automatically go to heaven? And where was God in the Nazi disaster? Top 34 questions answered by Tom Cantor. Get this book by calling us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or go to our website, friendshipwithgod.org. And so because Abraham loved God, he heard God's voice in what God had required him to do. And so he saw that to obey God was a way to please the person he loved. So for Abraham, it's not just complying with what God said. It was just this this extra depth in the obedience here of Abraham obeying the voice of God. So when God gave Abraham a command to follow, Abraham heard God's voice in that command and it became personal with him. It reminds me of C.T. Studd. You know, he was the Babe Ruth of the cricket world in England, which of course we have no idea what cricket is, but anyway. And he left it all to follow the Lord Jesus Christ on the mission field. He's the one who wrote the poem, Only One Life Twill Soon Be Passed. Only What's Done for Christ Will Last. And he was part of a famous group of seven that left Cambridge University called the Cambridge Seven, and they all became missionaries. And C.T. Studd went to China and then Africa. And C.T. Studd was like Abraham. He saw obeying God as an opportunity to express his love to God and hearing his voice. And one time he was at a conference, he was sharing a room with F.B. Meyer at this conference. And so F.B. Meyer, he wakes up at three in the morning and he sees C.T. Studd, you know, he's a, with a little light on and his Cambridge scarf around his neck and an open Bible and an open notebook. And F.B. Meyer says, Charlie, it's 3 a.m. in the morning. What in the world are you doing? And so C.T. Studd says, he replied that he was worried and that he decided to go through the Gospels 
and to note all the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I'm noting all the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospels, his little notebook there. And he says, and then I'm marking by each command the ones that I have obeyed and the ones that I have not obeyed. And then he made this statement. He said to him, he says, I'm bringing my obedience up to date. (laughs) See, he was doing that because he loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Because obeying the commands of the Lord Jesus was not just a matter of just, you know, got to do what I got to do. It was a chance for him to obey the voice of the Lord Jesus. In other words, to please him. So first, God holds up Abraham to Isaac, and he says, Isaac, I want you to look at Abraham. I'm not even going to call him your father. I'm just going to want you to look at Abraham as an example of a person who loved God and associated the person of God with the commandments of God. So for Abraham, that's what it was all about. You know, this is really the whole idea of what Moses is saying in Deuteronomy 8.3 when he says, man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. In fact, Moses told the Jewish people to see the words of God as coming from the mouth of God. And therefore, the first and foremost commandment is, in Deuteronomy 6, 5, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. So if we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might, then we're going to love his words because they come from his mouth and we'll obey them because we hear the voice of the Lord in those words. When he was circumcised, in the flesh of his foreskin. Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. In the selfsame day was Abraham circumcised and Ishmael, his son, and all the men of his house born in the house bought with the money of the stranger were circumcised with him. This is a point that's stated twice in this passage I just read there, and it's this emphasis on the selfsame day. It says that in verse 23, they circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the selfsame day as God had said unto him. Verse 26, the selfsame day was Abraham circumcised Ishmael's son. It was in the same day that God told Abraham. You know, Abraham wakes up one day, he hears for the first time about circumcision. <laughs> he says, what? You know, he says, no one has ever been circumcised before. Can you make that a little clearer to me exactly? What are you talking about? He says, you want me to cut off what? And Abraham doesn't stagger. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, you want me to do what? He doesn't say, can we take some time to plan this out a little bit? I mean, there's 400 men here. There's over 400 people to circumcise. Can we think about, do we have sharp enough knives? How are we going to sterilize them? I mean, how long is the recovery period going to be? You know, and um, who's going to do what during this recovery period? Oh, no, that Abraham, not Abraham. For Abraham, it was simple. Get the knives. God said circumcise. Let's, we don't have too much time before the sun goes down, and we've got a lot of work to do. And so God told Abraham, circumcise. Before the sun went down, every man was circumcised, including Abraham. And because for Abraham, obeying God was personal. It was a matter of obeying the voice of God. And then God told Isaac in verse 5 that Abraham kept God's charge. The Hebrew word there is, Mishmeret, its meaning is seen clearly in Habakkuk 2, 1, in the first verse of Habakkuk 2, where Habakkuk said, I will stand upon my watch, Mishmeret, and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. He gives a very clear picture. See Habakkuk here. Look, he says, look at me, I'm standing on a a watch. I'm standing watch. I'm a sentry. You know, I'm on this tower. I'm a lookout. And so when God says to Isaac, Abraham, Mishmeret, he kept him in charge, 
He's telling Isaac that he loved Abraham because Abraham was like a sentry on a watch, a lookout, see what God's going to say. God could count on Abraham to be waiting on the Lord to see what God would say, and God could count on him to be responsible to what God had commanded him to do. Now, God's given us a charge. He's given us a charge. Bring the gospel to every creature. That's our job, to be on Mishmeret, to be keeping God's watch, for us to be alert as a sentry is alert, and to watch for opportunities so that we don't come away and say, oh, I just met that lost person. You know what I should have said to him? No! The sentry is going to sit there and say, you know, oh, look at that, someone broke through the gate. You know what I should have done? You know. No, he says, when we see a lost person, we should be as alert as a sentry on a watchtower and ask God, what's that special word you want me to bring to that person? That's what it means to keep God's charge. That was Abraham. And then God told Isaac that Abraham had kept his commandments. See, that, that's the word mitzvah. Of course, you're all familiar with the term bar mitzvah. It's a bar mitzvah. And that refers to specific things to do. Like when God told Abraham, go and circumcise all the men. That was a mitzvah. I don't know if all the men thought it was a mitzvah, but <laughs> that was a mitzvah. Okay? So God was saying to Isaac, Abraham was a good example and that he did specifically the mitzvah, what God had asked him to do. And next, God told Isaac that Abraham, he kept his statutes. That's the word hukah, Hebrew word chah. It means ordinances. He kept his ordinances. For example, God established certain holidays in Israel, like the Passover. Those were ordinances that needed to be kept. God established that there would be a morning sacrifice, an evening sacrifice. Those were ordinances. And God said, I can count on Abraham to keep, those, keep ordinances that I give to him like circumcision, for example. It became an ordinance. First it was a mitzvah, then it became an ordinance. Next, God told Isaac that Abraham kept his law. That's the word Torah, which refers to, obviously, the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments. And those are principles. Those are principles, those Ten Commandments. For example, the principle of one of those laws, don't commit adultery. The Lord Jesus Christ said, let me show you the application of that in the Sermon on the Mount. You look in lust, you committed adultery. And so God is saying to Abraham, he kept my laws. In other words, Abraham thought about those laws and he saw how those laws could be violated in his life, look and lust. And so God held up Abraham as an example and says, and he says, Isaac, Isaac, follow him. Now the Lord Jesus Christ is our example. He's our example. So as God holds up Abraham as an example for us to follow when he says, Abraham, because Isaac needed the example. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ said 17 times in the gospel for people to follow him. He says, sell what you have, follow me, follow me, follow me. He's the example that we follow. What does it mean to follow a person in their life? To follow our examples of Lord Jesus Christ means that we see life like he sees life. When a person follows another person, he sees life the way that person sees life. For example, the Lord Jesus Christ said, he said, when I look out on people, I see every single person in one of four categories. And that was the whole concept of the parable of the sower, which he told them, he said, if you don't get this parable, you haven't gotten to first base. But he said in Matthew 13, 18 through 23, hear therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. That's he which was received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed in a stony place is the same as he that heareth the word, and none with joy receiveth it, 
But yet he hath he no root in himself, dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth, because of the word, by and by, he's offended. And he also receives seed among the thorns, is he that hears the word, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word. He becomes unfruitful. But he that receives seed in a good ground is he that hears the word, understands it, he bears fruit, and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. See, for us to follow the Lord Jesus Christ is for us to see four heart grounds and to be able to put every person in life and to do this consciously into one of those four heart grounds. See, the follow of the Lord Jesus Christ means to be happy with what he's happy with. For example, he said, in Matthew 18, 11 through 13, he said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And he said, how think ye if a man have a hundred sheep, one of them be gone astray, does not leave the ninety and nine, goeth after the mountain, seeketh that which has gone astray. And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine that went not astray. Another great day of studying the Bible here on Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, teaching us from Genesis chapter 26 on how Abraham was held up as an example for Isaac, how we need to be an example as well for the Lord Jesus Christ here on earth. Now, we also mentioned throughout the program about Tom Cantor's book with the top 34 questions that Jewish people ask, as well as Gentiles, like who really killed the Lord Jesus Christ? Are Christians responsible for persecuting Jewish people? Where was God during the Nazi disaster? And is God needed to understand the truths of the scriptures? And do you need to understand Hebrew to really understand the Bible? All these questions and many, many more doctrinal questions are answered in Tom Cantor's wonderful resource, Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People. You can obtain this by calling us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. You can also go to our website and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod. .org. Click on the Resources tab and Tom Cantor's materials, friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening.